Greetings, <clears throat> salutations. I am John Theory, also known as Sky's Daddy, and this is the first, the inaugural episode of the Stories from Earth Godcast. Okay? So in this first episode, we're gonna kinda go over what Stories from Earth is and what to expect to be released on this platform. Um, this is the first episode, so if it's rough or you hear like loud cat sounds in the background, I apologize. What are Stories from Earth? So Stories from Earth uh, was actually born from a few conversations I had with people because I used to get on IG uh, and tell stories about, you know, things I've experienced, people I've encountered, situations I've dealt with from a spiritual level. This is a spiritual podcast um, from a very esoteric and metaphysical understanding. It's not... uh, based in any one religion, tradition, anything like that. I would love to interact with you guys and speak on subjects that you are all interested in as well. So in the comments on the page, get at me and let me know, you know, instances and stories and stuff you'd like to hear. I have, uh, I always have a million and one stories and I really do. I've seen and experienced a lot in my time, uh, studying, you know, metaphysical things. So stories from Earth are essentially that. They're just stories of weird, sometimes even paranormal, definitely supernatural occurrences that I have experienced and that others have experienced. I will have guests, you know, to come and talk about different things they've seen. But the ultimate goal of stories from Earth is for us to learn to connect, for us to learn to kind of learn and, and see things from the other lens and other lenses and glean wisdom from other people's experiences. They say a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man can learn from the mistakes of others. And so that's kind of the goal here. We're just gonna learn, kick it, have a good time. I'm, I'm not a very serious dude. I'm actually rather silly. If y'all could see me recording this, I have a giant Native American print, print sorry, blanket over my shoulders and an incense burning like I'm in a sweat lodge. This is going to have to come off. It's getting hot. But that's essentially uh, what Stories from Earth is. So I'm essentially going to tell my stories and we'll see kind of where it goes from there. Hopefully, you know, this is going to be good for all of us. I don't remember the random the random cat sounds I mentioned. There's there. There they go. Uh, Hopefully we can learn and grow together and, you know, find new ways to embrace our understandings of the supernatural and the metaphysical. So I'm going to start by giving you some of my story. And, you know, until we have guests, of course, I'm just going to be telling my stories in, 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 in as much of a cohesive order as possible. The first story I'm going to tell is kind of how I got started, right? Everybody wants to know, how did you get started in spirituality? How did you know you had gifts? You know, everybody loves to ask that question. And so I don't have to tell the story a million and one more times because I definitely have told the story a million and one times. Uh, we are going to hop into it from the very beginning. Okay. <clears throat> I don't perceive myself as a special person. Right. And I don't know if that's to my benefit or to my detriment or some balance of both. But as a child, I always seem to have a very keen sense of insight. Right. I always seem to just kind of know things. 
things that I hadn't been taught, things that hadn't been shared with me, things that hadn't been presented in passing. And so, um, as a kid, I knew that I was different, but I didn't know how different, you know, I was. And so alongside this intuitive understanding of things, uh, I also was always a very, 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 very elegant speaker. I was able to talk to people in a way, you know, that made them feel good. And so I didn't know at the time that these are actually spiritual gifts and abilities. There is not really a separation between the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, and the mental. A lot of times we like to frame it that way, like there are these dividing walls between what we deem spiritual or unspiritual, but everything kind of coalesces in a beautiful cacophony of madness and so as a kid like those were my two powerpoints the other thing that I had as a child was extreme adaptability um I wasn't one who became uncomfortable very easy right you could put me in a room with anybody you could put me in any surrounding or setting and I would be just as at home as literally being at home it's a strange thing Uh, But it is definitely something that I did, you know, uh, I am black, uh, black and half Native American, and I won't say half, but there's a large percentage, we'll get into that in one episode, Uh, and so I'd be in the hood, you know what I'm saying, as a kid, and talking to the drug dealers, you know, the robbers, the killers, anyway, and uh, would be just as at home as when they had me sitting in these rooms with these professionals, these analysts. I've sat in a room with diplomats as a kid and was always very, very comfortable. You know, my energy was always very adaptable. And the funny thing is that it was always a 50-50 kind of response, right? You had half of people who really enjoyed you know, my intelligence and my intuitiveness as a child and would ask me for advices. Like, grown people were asking me at six and seven advices in life. And then you had the people that felt extremely threatened, right? And felt almost demeaned sometimes because this child was able to come up with such simple solutions to very complex situations. And so it, it was interesting growing up. Right. I was raised Christian. And when I was little, I'm talking three or four, um, the prophets in the church kind of all got together and we're just talking about how one day, essentially, I was going to be a world leader. You know, one day my influence would reach around the entire globe. Do I believe in all of that? It's 50 50. But um, the, the important fact was that there was something that was seen that was different in me that I couldn't really run away from. And so um, I knew that I had something as a child, right? I thought I was a superhero. I put on the capes and pretend to fight the bad guys and be on the side of justice. And as I grew older, um, I started to face, you know, the scrutiny of the world. Right. As a child, as a young child, it was a lot easier for me to exude this extreme intelligence and, you know, move around because I was more protected because I was a kid. But as I got older, you know, with any child, that protection starts to fade and you have to fend for yourself. And I found out rather quickly that uh, 
people don't really like to feel like they're not as smart as you are. I don't know. I've never had that issue. Like if there's someone more intelligent than me in a particular realm or a particular field, um, I become enamored, right? I fall in love with the information. I love to learn. I'm an information whore, literally. An information whore and an energy whore, an emotional whore. I'm all of those things. Um, Aqua Thought Team Captain, that's me. I should make that into a t-shirt. But uh, most people, they don't like to feel that way. They don't, they don't like to feel um, inadequate. And a lot of people have an inferiority complex that's not really expressed due to um, demands and, and, and the desires of others and the desires of society, so on and so forth. Not gonna get too too deep into that, but um, yeah, as I got older, I got bullied, and people said, "Oh, you think you're so smart? You're smarty pants. You know it all." This eventually came to physical conflicts, and found out uh, pretty early on that I had a knack for fighting. Really, really good at fighting. Um, this is not an invitation to try these hands. I promise you, this is not the fade you want. I'm your second favorite barber. Okay, but um, ended up being put in martial arts. Uh, to boost my confidence and within martial arts I would say is the first time I really found a true depth of spirituality right it's weird because spirituality and really life itself is kind of like martial arts right your positioning your stances when to jab when to dodge when to take the hit when to counter hit you know all relates to situations in life when it's like when to press forward when to step back when to take the the short-term L for a long-term victory, right? It's all very, very strategic. And if you do the research, a lot of people um, in the higher percentiles of uh, income typically were either in the military, come from a military family, and on top of that, have some degree of martial training or martial experience, right? We learn to problem solve differently. So, you know, if you want to grow spiritually i suggest joining a legitimate karate class it's a lot of fraudulence out there when i say karate i'm not speaking just to karate but any martial art but i say karate because that's the american word for all things fighting kung fu karate um the older folks say that jackie chan shit anyway um so when when i started working in martial arts and they would teach you how to focus they would teach you you know, how to, to, to really channel energy into a punch by way of body motion and into kicks by way of body motion and things like that, I started to notice that even when I would just think about these movements, I would feel the surge of energy in places in my body that responded to my thought. And I didn't know what to call it. But I understood that if a thought could trigger, you know, this energy in a body, what else could a thought do? Mind you, I'm all of nine, eight years old in that that era. Right. And so I practiced a bunch of different martial arts um, and, you know, still dealing with the things that I was dealing with. But martial arts kind of became an outlet for my anger, for feeling like I was mistreated. I got to beat up on other kids, essentially. That's, that's not what it's about, but that's, that's kind of where it was. It was like, okay, this is a controlled environment where I can hit other people and not get in trouble. Because as a, as a young one, as a young child, uh, I would play fight with other kids and would hit too hard. And it wouldn't even be on purpose. I was just, you know, a more stockier built child. 
And so, yeah, it it got me in trouble. So getting in martial arts kind of made it okay for me to hit again. And I needed that, right? And along with the disciplinarian aspects and the, uh, the fortitude within the mind, the learning, the integrity. Integrity is very, very big. Well, was very big in the system that I practiced. I was practicing a variant of Korean Taekwondo, and they're very, very big on integrity and character. Um, the other thing that they're very big on is indomitable spirit, right? Not being able to be overcome by anything, being able to push and press forward. And those tenets kind of stuck with me as I grew up, not understanding that this was conditioning me for things that I would deal with spiritually, okay? And so uh, many, 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 many years later, uh, barely graduated high school. I'm talking like I had to make a perfect score on a calculus exam to get out of high school. And you bet your ass I did it. I stayed in there for two and a half hours to make sure every single answer was correct. And so uh, get out of high school. And I had already been studying metaphysics for a while. Right. I started my actual study. Let me backtrack. I started my actual study of metaphysics at about 12, being in martial arts and learning about uh, what they call chi or ki energy, right? Um, this is not going to turn into a rant about Dragon Ball Z, but essentially learning how to move and manipulate the life force energy within your body. That was, that was when, for me, spirituality became something I could accurately describe. And I think that that's very important, right? Becoming aware of something is one thing. But being able to describe it, being able to to formulate a word or a thought around it that's coherent um, is another level of growth and understanding. It's another level of wisdom, really, to be able to communicate it. So once I'm learning about this energy and I'm trying to, you know, tell my family, my friends, hey, you know, I stumbled upon this and, and people in the East believe this and this is how it works. And everybody looked at me and was like, huh. And then they would bust out laughing because there's no way the things that I was talking about was real. And this was a point in my life I learned that people uh, don't take you seriously. You know, when, when you bring them information about things that, that, is, that are totally out of their range, a lot of people aren't as open to receive that information as you would think. So I got a lot of laughs in the face. I was ridiculed in school. Um, they would call me energy ball in school because I was trying to teach people that you can, you know, harness your energy, form it into a ball and pass it along and watch how things change and become affected. And I would talk about meditation and uh, kids thought I was weird. They thought I watched too much Dragon Ball Z. Uh, and it's funny because I really didn't watch that much Dragon Ball Z. Like, but that's the show that everybody relates it to because that's, you know, a show where they presented kind of similar ideals. Uh, but it, it's, of course, a cartoon. <clears throat> but yeah, they made fun of me. They were calling me Ryu from Street Fighter because I was trying to throw fireballs and stuff like that. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of kept it to myself, but I kept studying and I ran into, you know, Buddhism. I ran into a bit of Taoism. I ran into, uh, you know, the understanding of the Buddhas. I ran into Vedic teaching. I ran into a lot of things between 12 to about 22, I'll say. And so with all of this knowledge of things and learning alchemy and when I say learning alchemy, I mean like learning the history of it, not necessarily learning how to really do alchemy yet. I would be crazy if I could turn this glass ashtray into gold. That would be beautiful. Can't do it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, understanding the principles of transmutation. Right. And so uh, I get a job 
working at an airport doing AV, and I, again, I, I don't know. Like, that, that's the point in my life where I feel like I had my big turning point. I get this job doing AV at an airport hotel. And it's a four-diamond hotel. Everything's supposed to be nice and pristine. And I'm a bit rough around the edges. I've never, you know, at that point, I just, I didn't really care what people thought about how I looked, right? Uh, but that was more so for my insecurity. I was like, well, if I try to look good and people don't respond to the way that I look the way I want them to, I'd just rather look bad because I know I'm going to get the negative response, right? That was my logic. It's kind of my logic uh, with weight even. Now I'm, I'm losing weight now, but... At the time, it was like, I'm not going to try to lose weight because if I lose weight and I become, you know, the, the pinnacle of human physiology and people still don't like me, I don't want that. So I'd rather just go ahead and take the negative off top. Bad way to think. Don't do that. Always think in, in a forward thinking direction. That's definitely thinking backwards, ass backwards, if you may ask me. But, um... And so I'm at this job and I'm essentially, I'm lining myself up for this promotion and... I'm, I'm getting to a point where it's like, okay, this is the way my life is going to go, right? Uh, I'm going to make music as much as I can, and I'm going to work this job. And something just kind of hit me. Something was like, no, there's got to be more to life than this. And realizing that there has to be more to life than this, I felt like life was lacking uh, depth. Life was lacking fulfillment I left the church when I was 20 years old and I was explaining you know to my family hey Christianity's cool you know it works for who it works for but for me there are some holes here that I, I don't that don't make sense right I took a sip of water there um, when you research Gnosticism right and the Gnostic view of Christianity it was more of a mystery system. Things were written in code and meant to be understood by those who had essentially initiated. Yeah, Christianity actually had initiations. And it became this weird rabbit hole where I learned that this is going to piss some people off. Uh, but who they describe as a Christian God in the Bible that we have printed today the Gnostics, who uh, and historically are probably the first Christians on earth, actually viewed that figure as the oppressor, right? As the violent one. Um, and if you look through history, you notice that Christians are responsible for a lot of warfare and a lot of loss of life. There was the Spanish Inquisition. There was the Crusades. Um, there was the war on terrorism. There was the war on drugs. You know, same thing, same ideal, different... Uh, framework right uh and so i you know explaining to family and explaining to friends hey this is uh this ain't it for me it was like oh it's a phase oh you're gonna come back to christ all this other stuff not understanding that i had been researching and studying all of these other understandings for a long time i ended up working at a school and this is before the airport and we'll get back to that just needed to take a quick aside i ended up working at a school um, that dealt with uh, Pan-Africanism The whole school was based on Essentially Applying African concepts 
in the new world because without understanding our roots, we can't really push forward into the future, right? And so there I was introduced to, uh, I'm not gonna go through the list of names. The biggest one for me was Ashra Kwesi. Ashra Kwesi, um, the, the guy that runs the Church of the Black Madonna, who essentially was breaking down reliefs in Egypt or Kemet and kind of showing where all of the Abrahamic religions have their origins through the Kemetic system. And that really caught me, right? And so I learned as much as I could about that. I met a guy who is the uh, grand governor of Texas and Mexico, or is it just the governor? But he, anyway, he was in more science and he taught me a ton just about uh, what it really meant to be black, right? and what it really meant to exist within this framework in America and how we have certain rights, we have certain privileges, we have certain things that we're meant to embrace that we know nothing of. He taught me about the circulation of the dollar and the breakdown of black economy. I mean, this dude really prepared me for understanding how to best interact uh, with people that essentially aren't uh, in the best social or economic positions, right? We understand that systemic racism, it's a system. Literally, if there was zero racist and the system was still in place, it would still prove to cause issues within, you know, people of color and especially black communities. And so he taught me all of these things, right? Great. And that kind of cemented my leave of Christianity because all of these different concepts just didn't exist you know, I'm not understanding energy. I'm not understanding, uh, you know, the elements. I'm not understanding nature, ultimately. And so I kind of bounced around in the Pan-African understandings and those traditions. Now, back to the airport. So I already have all this information, but I'm still not feeling fulfilled. There's still an emptiness where it's like there's something more. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something deeper. This, this can't be life, Right. And um, I ended up taking a position switch in the AV company. I left from being on the floor, setting up projectors, TVs, whatnot, phones, and moved to package handling, right? Now, you would think a package handler is like FedEx or UPS. No, package handling in the AV world means you sit at a desk all day. And every so often, you'll have to take a package from the package room either to a hotel room or to a specific room on the floor and that's about it you didn't really do anything else it was the greatest job for me because at the time I was still very very active in music and I mean I'm still active in music but at that point I was doing so much music work I really couldn't hold a full-time full-time job and do the full-time labor and all the crazy hours having to get to work at 2 and 3 a.m and, and stuff like that staying till 2 and 3 I was like no I'm done with all that life don't have to be that hard and so when I moved to this position, um, it was one day a woman comes down and she has the harem pants on and the tank top and all these beads on her wrist. And at this point in life, I'm jaded, I'm hurt and I'm sarcastic. OK, just putting it out there. So letting you know why my responses are my responses. So this woman comes down with her bells jingling. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go to India I've cashed in my 401k, I've cashed in my trust fund, I'm leaving the corporate world, I'm going to India to find myself. And so me, again, being the militant and the general dick that I was at the time, uh, 
I was like, India? I was like, why aren't you going to, like, Europe, Ireland, you know, places like that where your people are from? Like, I said this boldly to this woman, and she's like, oh, what's not the most spiritual place? I'm going to find spiritual elevation. The Airbnb is only going to cost me $50 for a month. I'm like, damn, you're robbing those Indian folks, fam. That, that is not taking, that is not leaving a penny. That is only taking a penny. And so after going through this diatribe with her, she essentially says, I see a lot in you. You have a lot of magic in you. You need to go and figure out who you are. I'm like, lady, look, I don't have no 401k. I don't have no trust fund. I don't have no money. Okay. I'm living out of an office. And I was, I was like, and I take baths in the sink. I was like, so if you think I have the funds to go to wherever to learn about whatever, I don't. I live in the real world. And she's like, oh, you're going to figure it out. And so I print off her itinerary, which is something we did in package handling, and sent her on her way. And she was like, hey, follow me on Instagram. I follow you. And I don't know if she still follows me, but you know, this is many, many years ago. I was 22, and I'm 27 now. And so uh, she goes off. And I was like, that was peculiar. You know, never seen a person like that in the office before. And believe it or not, for the next... 30 days, almost every day, someone would make mention of me needing to find myself, someone would make mention of me needing to solidify my future um, in a deep way, someone would make mention of me going off and doing my own thing and figuring myself out, as opposed to staying within the confines of uh, corporate America, so to speak. And so one day, I get kind of bold. I know that there's a spirit involved. I've studied metaphysics. I know that there's no coincidences. And I'm in the room and I call out. I say, hey, if there's a spirit trying to talk to me or trying to give me to understand something, show me a sign. And the electricity across the entire hotel flickers and the room I'm in goes dark. I was like, okay. I said, well, hey, spirit, I don't really do this, you know, spirit thing. But since you're here and you've made yourself known, I don't know why I wasn't scared. Uh, But I wasn't scared at that point. Well, I do know why I wasn't scared. We'll get into that story another day. I I did a ritual that I didn't know was a ritual and lost all fear. But we'll get we'll get to that story another day. Uh, And so I wasn't afraid. And I heard a woman's voice and she said, give it all up. And I'll show you something better. I was like, huh, what do you mean? Like, give up my hours, give up my lunch, like what give all of what up? And she was like, give up your job, give up the place you live, give up your car, and give up the woman you're dealing with, and I will show you better. I see, you know what, spirit? I don't have much to lose. This is some Illuminati shit. I'm not trying to sell my soul, but hey. We can figure that part out. You show me proof that you can do what you say you're going to do, and I'll give everything up, right? And I don't think much of it. I leave work, go about my business, and um, (laughs) got a phone call from a friend. Hey, I got a house in Longview. Longview is about an hour from uh, Dallas, right? Dallas is where I reside. He's like, I got a house in Longview. And I'm moving to California. If you want to get you and your music buddies to come move in there, we can come get the repairs done, and you can essentially hold the house. No one else is going to stay there. I was like, okay, bet. Solid. And so uh, it hit me. I was like, ah, that spirit was right. Here's an opportunity opening up that I could express if, you know, I let these things go. So I don't renew my lease. I put in my notice at my job. And... um, 
I didn't give up the girlfriend yet. I'm sorry. I, I liked sex. And so I was like, well, you know, we're kind of on our last leg. Let me get as much out of this as possible. And uh, I mean, I'm not, I know that sounds bad, but a lot of us do that, right? I'm being transparent here. And so I get ready for the move. Everything comes up. And the week before the move, everybody that I plan this move with over the next seven days calls me and says, hey, I'm not going to be able to go. Hey, I'm not going to be able to do it. Hey, I'm sorry. And I'm not going to be able to cover rent by myself. I just quit my job. And so I'm effectively homeless at this point. And that's where we'll stop our story today. Follow me on Waters of the Westgate on Instagram for all of your spiritual services and needs. And we're going to pick up the story next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, And yeah, we'll keep the story going. I love you all. The universe loves you all. The water loves you all. And I'm out.